This is Shane Gibson's podcast from ClosingBigger.net. Today's podcast is a summary of a keynote I recently did for the Export Awards for the World Trade Center of Vancouver. And the theme of the awards ceremony was Global Trends, Opportunities, and Obstacles. And a number of attendees have reached out asking for a copy of my slides. But as I looked at them, I realized they didn't really mean a lot, unless, of course, you heard the talk. So what I thought I'd do is A, record a podcast specifically for my attendees, but also share it with my broader audience on my podcast throughout Spotify and Apple and Amazon and Google and all the other places that you listen to my programs. But let's talk about it. So my topic was really growing your business globally in a digital first economy. So that was the focus, was how do I grow globally in a digital first economy? And I think this is really key. And so I wanna talk a little bit about what's happening in the marketplace, why I refer to it as a digital first economy, some of the trends that you wanna be aware of and capitalize on. And also as a leader, I wanna talk a little bit about some of the things that we need to do to really equip our remote teams, particularly our remote sales teams or hybrid sales teams and customers. So I want to start off with this quote from Jack Welch. I think I've probably used it before in a podcast at some other time, but I really think it's an important message. And here's what Jack Welch said. If the rate of change on the outside exceeds the rate of change on the inside, the end is near. And I think this is a really key quote because often people who work within companies, who've got a manager and a senior manager and a CEO, they always seem to have something they want to change and update. Change the CRM we're using, update our ERP, bring a new approach to the marketplace, have us use different tools to communicate and market to and sell and get digital contracts. And all of these things seem to be happening at breakneck speed. And by the time we get something working, they want to change it again. And so one of the thoughts is, is senior management just doing this to drive me crazy to create extra work? Why are they always changing things? But the reality is, not unlike Jack's quote, they're really reacting to what's happening externally. There's a very quick rate of change externally in the marketplace. And as organizational leaders, we need to adjust or even preempt that change in order to stay ahead of the competition. Satya Nadella said this at the beginning, uh, you know, about 2020, the beginning of the pandemic. He said the world has gone through two years worth of digital transformation in two months. Now, it, it was an interesting sentiment. And the one thing that was interesting about this is when I first heard him say this, I thought, well, that's quite the statement. But then as we've moved through, we realized that he actually understated it. That in fact, in a short period of time, around eight months in 2020, from an e-commerce perspective, we actually went through the equivalent from a percentage basis of eight years of e-commerce growth. United States alone, over 30 million consumers joined the online shopping community for the first time. And so this group of people has grown significantly and they're really not going back. So my mom, my mom said something really interesting here to me one day as I was uh, working with my mom and uh, on sitting down with her and we're having a chat and I said, hey, you know, let's, let's head to the store, um, let's do some grocery shopping and then we can go to this and that. And she goes, no, 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 I'm not going to the store anymore. I just order online and they bring it. And She's got the Save on Foods app and she knows how to log on their website and they bring her groceries to her and she does not want to go into a grocery store anymore. Now, what's interesting is that prior to this shift, 
that she didn't want to go online and buy a single thing, give anybody her credit card, or really interact whatsoever with businesses online. Yet in a short period of time, once she got used to it, she's never going back. And that's not just, of course, my mom. There's actually a whole bunch of people, including most senior business decision makers. So McKinsey and Company did a study uh, in late 2021, and they looked at business to business seller interactions and the fact that they've moved online. So what we found is that 70 to 80 percent of business to business decision makers prefer remote human interactions or digital self-service to in-person meetings with sales professionals. So that's a really interesting perspective. So they prefer actually remote digital self-serve or remote human interactions to one-to-one -one interactions. So we're talking about two to three out of every 10 of your customers are now wanting to meet you in person still. And the majority of them, not unlike my mom, have gotten used to interacting online, buying online and procuring through platforms, and they don't wanna go back to the way it was. Why? They cited ease of scheduling, saving on travel expenses, safety overall, and from this perspective, it just allows businesses to be more efficient. So in many cases, as a seller, even if we love meeting person to person, even if we know it gives us an advantage, the reality is, is that three out of 10 of our customers agree with us, but the other seven don't. So it's not just about our customers, it's actually about the workforce as well. So Amazon Canada uh, had a study done by the Angus Reid Forum, and they interviewed uh, 1,600 people across the country, and they found that over 20% said they would look for another job if their managers mandated office returns, and 57% said they would prefer to split their time equally between office and at home, or what I like to refer to, of course, as hybrid work. More than 55%, and this is really interesting, um, is that said they are less likely to accept a job opportunity if the company mandates full-time work from the office. It even trumps workplace culture, growth opportunities, advancement of training, and in-office per in, in perks. Now, what do these two stats mean? It means our existing workforce will leave if we force them back to in-person work when it's not necessary. Obviously, if you work in a warehouse and you have to lift boxes or you're in sales and you've got a route and you actually have to visit a client to service their solution or spec a project, that in-person meeting makes sense. But for knowledge workers, people who can actually do their work remote, 20% said they would, they would literally leave if they were forced back into the office full time. Now, once we lose those people, the challenge is, is that 55% of the workforce said they're less likely to accept a job if that job mandates full-time work from the office. So to replace those people is extremely difficult. So as a business leader, we've really got to think about how I can create a digital first platform that runs my business that enables hybrid work effectively. This is really what's happening. So it's not just hybrid work, but also embracing artificial intelligence. So another big trend that has continued to move into the marketplace is, of course, artificial intelligence and machine learning. Another quote from McKinsey, roughly half of today's work activities, including large numbers of white collar roles, could be automated by 2055. Now, I don't think that AI is necessarily going to re replace salespeople entirely. But it's going to replace at least half of the things we do today is going to be done in the background by artificial intelligence very soon. And so from this perspective, are we 
prepared as individual salespeople to double down on the skills, attitudes, behaviors, and processes that people do really well and to really leverage artificial intelligence for our success to be competitive. So here's these shifts from 2020 to 2021 and now 2023 and beyond. So in other words, where were we in 2020, 2021, which was in a bit of an interruption or crisis to now this permanent redirection? So in 2020, we were reactive as individuals and organizations. We were reacting to what was happening. And so a lot of what we were talking about was, you know, getting back to normal. Once this is over, we're going to get back to normal. What we know now is for 2023 and beyond, it's actually about permanent redirection for ourselves, our career, and the way we do business. Things have changed, and they're continuing on that trajectory. Multi-screen and always on was 2020 and 2021. Zoom fatigue, right? Uh, Salespeople logging into eight different dashboards to get a client from hello to the first order. All this is ending and it's evolving into 2023 and beyond is ambient, smart, and on-demand technology. This is technology that's you know, embedded in our lives that happens in the background. You know, on our personal level, it happens quite often. You know, I'll look at my phone. And, uh, you know, or I'll look at my watch, I'll be going for a walk, and after about 800 meters, my Apple Watch will say, hey, looks like you're going for a walk, do you want to track this exercise, right? Uh, it does the same thing for a hike, as I'm climbing, climbing, climbing elevations, so they'll say, it looks like you're hiking, would you like to track this? So this is an example of ambient technology, where it's in the background, and it's intelligently making us more effective. We're seeing this in CRMs like Salesforce's Einstein in the background. If that tool is turned on, sales teams that are taking coaching from this artificial intelligence to tell them what clients to reach out to next based upon client behaviors and also benchmark data are performing 20% better from a close ratio than those that don't use it. So this ambient, smart, and on-demand technology Working in the background is something we're going to see more and more in the future. So less screens, more audio search, uh, more Internet of Things embedded intelligence that make us smarter and stronger uh, as sales professionals and individuals. 2020 to 2021, we were traditional sales realized they need to use digital. So how do I bolt digital into my traditional process? How do I take my process and put it online? Well, we shifted from that now to a virtual sales culture. It's a hybrid and social, as in social networking, culture of sales, which has evolved in 2023 and beyond. This is a primary channel for selling and engaging clients. In the past, in the last few years, we've really been focusing on sales enablement. What technology tools, content, support am I going to give my sales team to be effective at various steps in the sales process? And this has moved very quickly into customer enablement. How do I become the one-stop source for my clients to self-educate and choose us as a vendor? And then the sales team steps in as part of the customer enablement process. In the past, we looked at being digital savvy. You needed to be digital savvy to all of a sudden survive in this immediately remote digital first sales environment. Today, it's not enough to be savvy. 2023 and beyond is about digital disciplines. So I think this is really important. Digital disciplines, daily key performance indicators around successfully using digital in our job. We were at scaling through headcount. How do I grow? Well, I'm going to grow my team and hit my goals by adding more people to my organization. What we're finding now is 2023 and beyond, smart organizations are scaling via cloud sourcing 
artificial intelligence, and machine learning. So they're focusing on what they're good at as a business, and then they're outsourcing to the cloud through various apps, platforms, tools, and people, and artificial intelligence, many of their business processes, and connecting with bigger ecosystems, other organizations, client groups, you name it. And then lastly is we often think about social media as having a social media team, but 2023 and beyond, success is going to be about having a social business culture, equipping your whole team to be social and leverage the tools for sales, HR, operations, research, you know, recruitment, marketing, you name it, right up to the C-suite. So these are the trends that are really occurring here. One of the things that I focused on, and this is directly out of Dr. Dennis Covier and my book, Real Results in the Virtual Economy, is about the levels of digital reinvention that we want to walk through. And for the interest of kind of time, and uh, it's a lot in this model, I'm going to kind of go through and talk about what these various levels are, but I'm going to talk about the, the top level, the reinvention leader level. So the first level of digital reinvention, we've got to kind of look at where am I? So in order to profit and prosper from these shifts, we've got to be really honest about where we're at from a reinvention culture in our organization or for ourselves. So a resistant sort of attitude, digital reinvention culture, is one that really begrudgingly adopts any type of technology. These are the organizations that still today haven't digitized most of their records. Most of them are paper. Um, their business processes tend to force customers to engage them the way they like to sell and offer goods versus the way a customer would like to buy. In, within the organization, being traditional and anti-technology is almost celebrated in the senior ranks of their culture. So this is a really digital resistant organization. And in many cases, they're, they're in industries which have been able to do this because they're traditionally very hands-on, um, manufactured, uh, primary resource type industry, uh, or highly dependent upon face-to-face -face selling customer service and engagement. So there hasn't been a push to become highly digital. So this particular type of organization would have struggled the most uh, when all of a sudden majority of their customers stopped coming into their place of business or traveling to them, and they had to start to find ways to reach remote or socially distant customers. Then we move into the reactive side. So the reactive is a little better than resistant. And often what happens is that the reactive uh, are open to technology, but they wait to see what their top five competitors do and for their customers en masse to get on board. And when it's a mainstream technology trend, then that organization will invest in a proven technology with a track record. So really safe. But what happens is they're always lagging the competition and they're always well behind the consumer on what the consumer wants from a tech or their client base wants from a technology perspective. In many cases, um, in sales organizations, I've often seen salespeople pass up working for these organizations because they're using archaic technologies to support the sales process or no technologies. And so from this perspective, they're really at a disadvantage in the marketplace. Then we move into the responsive digital reinvention organizations. This organization understands the importance of technology and often through a demand of a customer or the movement of a forward-thinking competitor in the marketplace, this organization begins to adapt technology and apply new tools within their business. The challenge is, is that they're not all that strategic about it. So they'll do it because others are doing it. They've read the trend is important. 
but it's almost about the tech and not about how it empowers the business in many cases. It's just a thing they need to have. And this is, of course, happening in different parts of the organization in pockets in many cases. There's not a cohesive strategy. So there's a good chance that, you know, a lot of the sales technologies they use, they use them because, you know, they have 20 salespeople and two or three of these people started using the tool on their own to make themselves better. And then the team decided to use it. So it's a product driven again, demand-driven or externally-driven change. Then we move into the fourth level, which is the proactive digital reinventor. This organization looks at key trends in the marketplace, what's happening with some of their best competitors or maybe even organizations in other countries that are further ahead of us, and they look at this technology and they go, how does the, do these technologies help me improve a business process or reinvent a business process? So they're very strategic about it. And the proactive reinvention level in an organization is also one that tends to have a team devoted to digital transformation, to teaching technology, embedding it properly, and often will even have key performance indicators in place for staff around how they use their tech tools within the business process. So this is a really strong group and level that you can aspire to. And, and this is, I think, a really safe, profitable place where you can stay always current and competitive in the marketplace. Now, the final level, which is an aspirational level, is the reinvention leader level of uh, digital reinvention. And this level is one that's really reserved for a few organizations. And they're organizations that don't say, what are other people doing? They're, they ask questions like, what if we did this? What if we change the way we let our team? So I can think back to a couple of organizations, companies, people I know here locally that I've done business with. One is uh, Stephen Jagger and Michael Stevenson, who have a company called uh, Addy Invest. Uh, but at the time I met them, they had a company called Ubertor. And Ubertor was a real estate technology company. And one day they just sat back and they had a big office and lots of staff and the foosball table and programmers and salespeople. And they said, what if... What would happen if we try to run our business completely remote? And this was over a decade ago. And so this was not a, a market trend. This was a curiosity around, could I use technology to do this differently, save a bunch of money, and then get ahead of the competition when the marketplace catches up? And they did it highly successfully. And if, in fact, they sold that business and a couple others since then, and, and are again, once again, running a fully virtual real estate technology company again. And they did this through really thinking about as reinvention leaders. Tesla is a reinvention leader. Elon Musk didn't say, hey, how, how do I do what Ford's doing only better or Toyota's doing only better in the, in the electric car market? He said, what if I do things completely different? And so Tesla is really a battery and computer company, those, but those battery power computers just happen to have wheels on them. Uh, they've completely changed the supply chain process, the way they manage their supply chain. Uh, and they don't have traditional car dealerships whatsoever. And so from this perspective, he really reinvented. He did something different that no one else has done in the industry. And he didn't just break the model. He created a new model. And so reinvention leaders are constantly looking at maybe how technology is being used in other industries and other purposes and saying, how can I apply this to my business and find a new market or find a new opportunity by doing so? And so the reinvention leader is really where you want to be at eventually in your business if you want to really accelerate uh, and multiply your growth. So I want to finish off here with a couple things. And one of them is that to go along with this new sales environment and marketing environment, you also need a new competency map. So within 
the slide deck, which, you know, if you want to download it, uh, I've put it up at salesacademy.ca forward slash WTC 2020. So that's salesacademy.ca forward slash WTC 2020. But in the virtual sales competency map, you know, we've really identified six areas that's the new sales competency map. So in the center, there's sales mastery, which I know I've talked about this in other podcasts, so I'm going to cover this quickly. But these are the core skills around that you need as an SDR or a key account manager to be successful. And they haven't changed much. But then bolted on, you need virtual communication skills. That's the ability to use text, video, multiple platforms to connect, communicate, grow relationships, land customers, social networking skills, virtual soft skills and cognitive skills. So what are my soft skills and communication skills look like online? What is the etiquette? What is the best way to get through? What does my tone need to sound like? Then of course, right brain selling. So if we've digitized everything and we're automating a lot of things, then your core differentiator is your ability to be creative and lead. And do you have that skill set? And then lastly, of course, is overall technology intelligence, technology fluency, the ability to stay current and learn new technologies. So these are kind of the five key, six key areas that you need to think about when you're building a sales team, you as a sales professional or as a sales leader, what you should be looking for and developing in your people. So social selling, I talked about it. And I wanted to share some quick stats from LinkedIn. These are recent stats where they studied sales organizations and looked at people who do and do not leverage social selling. What they found is that social selling leaders create 45% more opportunities than their peers who don't use social selling effectively. Social selling leaders are 51% more likely to reach quota and 78% of social sellers outsell peers who don't use social media whatsoever. So when we look at this, we have remote customers or customers who interact with us in a hybrid fashion, some online, some offline. We have the same thing with our team. And so as a leader, we need to think about some real tactical remote leadership insights here. So I'm not gonna go through the whole process, but I wanna kind of give you some quick highlights. There's 10 points in my deck. I'm gonna cover three or four here for the purpose of the podcast. Is I think the key factor is with a remote team, think about how you can provide process automation tools. So what can you do to reduce redundant tasks that can be done for your team, you know, by machine learning or artificial intelligence or automation? One of the reasons why is in order to maintain your team's productivity, you've got to reduce the screen time. They can't be staring at the screen doing Zoom calls all day from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. You're going to burn your team out. Uh, they can't be in between those Zoom calls doing data entry and monotonous activities that bore them to death and drain their energy. So process automation is vital, but it also means that it moves data automatically so that you can see what's happening in real time. Shorten your meetings and reduce irrelevant attendance. So I just mentioned this, but don't meeting your people to death. That's a quick way to kill enthusiasm is to have people locked in meetings, internal meetings all day. In my opinion, if you're looking at a sales professional, a maximum of about 10% of their meetings per week should be internal facing meetings and the rest should be engaging and interacting with customers or working on projects with team members related to engaging customers. Also, this is a quick tip is be clear on what's remote, in-person and hybrid. Nothing's worse than driving all the way into the office because we all have a meeting and finding out that 80% of the people decided not to come in and I'm in this empty office by myself. On the other hand, if you've got eight people in the office and one person just opts not to come in and you're trying to pipe them in by a Zoom meeting, we're going to miss part of that engagement in most cases. It's better to get them all in one spot if you're going to do that. So just know what is remote, what is in person and what is hybrid and which tool is right for the right activity, both in sales and internal meetings. Increase your checkups though. 
So with your top performers, because they're hitting their numbers, you're thinking, oh, they're awesome. But they might feel very lonely and isolated if they're on the road or they're working for home and they're not engaged with head office. And yes, they have a dashboard that says they're doing well as far as closing deals, but that in-person feedback and check-in can really keep them motivated. And also it gives you good visibility into things that might be an issue later on before they get big. I would say lastly is lead by example. So a big part of being effective remote or hybrid worker is having a balance on how much screen time you spend, how much in-person meetings you have, um, but also just your overall mental health. So part of it is you need to lead by example. So emailing people at 10 p.m. at night or 5 a.m. in the morning, um, you know, working all hours and showing no boundaries and accepting every meeting that comes to us is a really bad example to set for our team. And lastly, this is really important, is trust your people. So I believe that if someone says a oh, hybrid doesn't work because these people I've hired aren't doing their job remotely, it's not hybrid. You have an HR problem, you hire the wrong people or you have the wrong systems in place. And so, you know, hire trustworthy people, give them the tools they need and then trust them to do their job the world is no longer about standing over someone's cubicle to make sure they're there doing their job. It's really about hiring the right people and managing them to the process and the goals. So here's some action steps. And this is really important from a digital first perspective. How do I become a digital first seller and a digital first leader and a digital first exporter? Is I really believe you need to start thinking about your business 2.0. Think about its present version and go, what if this business was completely run off a technology platform? What if the foundation for this, what if I wasn't a, you know, a vitamin manufacturer or a consulting company or um, an IT company uh, that goes in and builds network? What if I was a digital company first, a technology company first, a media company second, and then I do whatever I do third? So how can I build that platform to operate my business off? What technology do I need? What people do I need to put that in place? Build processes and strategies that are remote, social, and hybrid. And I would start with digital first and remote and work your way into how that supports the in-person meetings and the in-person team. Because in many cases, what happens if we do it the other way around, we're not putting the right processes in place. Find and develop staff and partners with a high technology or TQ uh, technology fluency, right? Look, seek people out who are part of that crowd, that market already. And then think digital reinvention culture in your company instead of uh, technology goals or technology transfer goals. Really think about how do I build this digital reinvention culture in our organization? So that's my summary of my keynote that I gave uh, for the World Trade Center Vancouver's uh, Export Awards. Uh, you, again, can find these slides at salesacademy.ca forward slash WTC 2022. This is Shane Gibson with ClosingBigger.net.